That's a sign of great strength. That he would take that insult and those humiliations and never say a word. He took it. Why? Because he loved them and he loves you. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. Welcome to March. We're excited because we're continuing in our series, The Story of Jesus, His Road to the Cross. And we're actually nearing the end of our series. We have uh, several weeks left, of course, but uh, we're getting here to the very few last few hours before he is put onto a cross. He has just been convicted by Pontius Pilate, although declared innocent three times. And he is going to be, and today we're going to be really discussing this, he's going to be beaten Uh, He's going to be spit upon. He's going to be hit. Isaiah 52 predicts that his... The way he looks is so grotesque after this beating that no one would even recognize him. Just to think of the agony, the physical torture and agony that he endured by those that he created, it's unbelievable. He did that because he loves you. He loves me. And so that's what I want to really focus on today and tomorrow as we talk about his road to the cross. And right before we go into today's message, I've got a couple things that I'm really excited about. Number one, we're going on a cruise to Alaska. We would love for you to travel with us this July. A lot of people are worried about cruises, but um, they're, they're going off like normal now. There's no vaccine required. There's no testing. And You've got to see the amazing, beautiful land of Alaska and come with a creation speaker. Bruce Malone will be coming along. He is scientifically minded and he understands all of the details of creation and the the wonder of it all. And he's going to be explaining that to us in the evening. I'll be speaking. My wife is coming and we also have Majesty Music providing us music. So all day long, you'll be exploring Alaska as we go from port to port. And then at night uh, after dinner, we'll have a a meeting uh, if you want to come to that and it'll be glorious. So if you want more information about our cruise to Alaska, go to ingraceradio.com and click on travel. And then don't forget on Wednesdays, we are broadcast on our TV program on TBN, which is the largest Christian network in the world. And we have a show on on Wednesday nights, and it's also called In Grace. And tonight we're going to be featuring the final episode of the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Now I'll tell you how you can get that a copy for yourself, either by DVD or digital download at the end of today's program. But let me encourage you to watch us tonight on TBN. If you don't get that channel, you can get their app and watch us on the app or go to YouTube and search for In Grace and find us there. Subscribe, get alerts and like our programs and more people will hear the gospel through our television ministry. How many of you like road trips? How many of you like to drive? You like the great American road trip? I mean, it's kind of fun, right? In some ways, the open road, you get to uh, uh, see new places and have amazing views and glorious scenery. And I, I kind of like them. I, I'd like to get to places faster. Uh, that's why flying is so great. But uh, uh, we were driving one day 
and we were on a road trip, Karen and I, and I couldn't believe it. I, I for sure didn't think I was speeding, and I get pulled over. So I get pulled over, and the officer comes up to me, and I said, sir, what, what, why did you pull me over? What did I do? He said, well, sir, you're going too slow. I said, you're, you're kidding me. You're, I, you pulled me over because I'm going too slow? Uh, he said, yeah, there's a minimum speed limit on this road, and if you go too slow, you're causing a hazard. And I said, I, I saw the sign. It said 40. He started laughing. He goes, sir, that's Interstate 40. <laughs> oh, I started to understand. But he noticed that Karen was very quiet, wasn't looking at him, wasn't talking, was kind of white. So he leaned down and said, what's wrong with her? And I said, I, said, I don't know. She stopped talking as soon as we exited Interstate 160. <laughs> so what I want to do today is get the humor out of the way early because we have a very serious and somber topic to talk about today as we've come to the road to the cross in our study of the life of Jesus. Now, he had been arrested. He had gone through a series of sham trials. He has been declared innocent more than once, but still condemned to death. He has spent hours in a dark pit. Now, in the daylight, he has been paraded through the streets as he's about to go from Pilate's praetorium to the place of crucifixion called Calvary or Golgotha. Just before, Pilate had offered the Jewish religious leaders to release a prisoner. Pilate was doing everything he could to get out of this dilemma of convicting this innocent man. He really thought there's no way they're going to choose Barabbas. Because the Gospels tell us that Barabbas was a convicted thief and murderer. They don't like Jesus, but they don't think he's a, a murderer. They don't, they don't think he's going to hurt people. He's going to harm people. They didn't like him because he was disrupting their power and their prestige and their money. He was going against the religious leaders because they were not sincere. They really didn't love God. They were all about themselves. And so they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So they had this choice. Do we get rid of Jesus or do we get rid of Barabbas? One of them's going to go free. The irony of ironies, and this is exactly what the world does. The world is so bent to be against the things of God that they do the most backward, stupid things. Instead of making sure this murderer does not go free, they choose the innocent Jesus to be condemned. And this convicted murderer is now going to be walking the streets of Jerusalem. This is unbelievable. This is how backward sin makes people. It makes you do the stupidest things, choosing a murderer and releasing him back into society and convicting the world's first and only innocent totally innocent person. They had just whipped Jesus. It's called scourging or flogging. It was intended to torture. It was designed to, to debase and demean the criminal. It was considered such a 
degrading form of punishment that the Roman citizens weren't even allowed to be flogged. That's how bad a punishment this was. It was appropriate only for slaves and for non-Romans. Those people, the slaves and the non-Romans, were viewed as lesser in the Roman society, and therefore they flogged Jesus. And to make it as humiliating as possible, scourging was carried out in public. The victim was bound to a post and stripped of clothing, and then he was beaten with a flagellum. The flagellum is a whip that at least was three feet long. It had at least three strands on it, and some of the strands were weighted either with lead or bone, and this was such a torturous device that when they would strike the individual, it would not only crack and cause a welt, it would actually penetrate deep into the flesh, exposing deep into the person's veins and muscles. And this went on over and over and over. After the beating of scourging, the victim was in unimaginable pain and very likely because of the loss of blood near the point of death. That was just the scourging that he received. But that wasn't enough because now they're going to also humiliate him. We're gonna start looking at Matthew's account again from the arrest of Christ all the way up through the resurrection. All the gospels are telling these stories now. This is the crescendo. This is the big story of Jesus. It is his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And so these are, these are lots of details are in all four gospels. So Matthew's account says in verse 27 of Matthew 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall. Again, the governor was Pontius Pilate. He was Rome's representative in the area. And they took him into the common hall and gathered him the whole band of soldiers. So a, the band was a garrison, a, a, probably a tenth of the legion. So that's about 600 Roman soldiers are now gathered there. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Remember, they had just beat him. His Clothing was probably all ripped up and probably soaked. It probably didn't look much different than the scarlet robe that they put on him. The word robe here is a word that describes a soldier's cloak or cape. So I'm sure they did not put on a brand new Roman soldier cloak. They would have put on an older one one that should have probably been retired and perhaps was faded. So they put on this cloak as a, a robe. Now, why do I mention that it was probably an older cloak? They're not going to give mess up one of their nice ones, one of the ones they're using. It's a discarded one or a secondhand one. Why do I mention that? Because there's a reason that I think that's an important detail. And I'll, I'll give you that in a second. Matthew, as we just read, says that they put on him a, what color? Robe. Scarlet, right? A scarlet robe. Kokinos uh, is the Greek word, which means crimson, scarlet. But 
Mark and John tell us that, that a, a purple robe was put on Jesus. So is this a contradiction? Actually, skeptics of the Bible say this is a contradiction. We're going to cover a couple of supposed contradictions today. This one, is this a contradiction? Now, let me ask you a question. Do we all see color the same way? You could hold up a color, let's say a shirt, and it, it's blue, and somebody's going to say it's blue. Another one of you is going to say it's navy blue. Does that mean the one that said blue is lying or deceitful? No, it's just how you see it. It's how you describe it. And this, is, this happens in life all the time, right? I think this actually proves that they weren't colluding when they got together to write the story of Jesus. Because Matthew saw it as scarlet, and he probably was referring to it because he knew that the Romans wore scarlet cloaks, and before it was faded, it probably was scarlet. But the others described it as purple, and that's a bluish red, and it probably did look like that to them. So this is not a contradiction. In my opinion, this is actually proof that they weren't colluding, they weren't making up a story, because if they had made up a story, they would have all said exactly the same thing. Does that ever worry you when you question your kids after something was broken in the house and they all say the exact same thing? They say the same sentence? They say the same words? That always makes me nervous when I hear the exact same phrase when you're trying to get to the bottom of a story. It almost sounds like they planned it. You say this. So the fact that they saw it a little bit differently, but certainly both within the realm of what it, it, what it could have been, I think is proof that this is actually exactly uh, what the Bible says it is, and that is a truthful account of what they witnessed. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. Are you interested in the end times prophecy of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple? Then you need to watch In Grace's new video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Jim Scudder Jr. will take you to amazing sites like the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the land on the Mount of Olives purchased for the sacrifice of the red heifer. Jim Scudder has exclusive interviews with experts and people involved in rebuilding the temple. This new series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to In Grace. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and see how all of this impacts our world today. When your gift is $35 or more, Jim Scudder will also send you an incredible eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn and a beautiful End Times Prophecy Chart. Don't wait. Get this video series today to order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. It says in Matthew 27, 29, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. So we read things like that, but do we ever think about what that means? And a reed in his right hand. What is a reed? Well, remember, if you're going to put a crown on someone and you're going to put something in their right hand, what should that be? What should be in their right hand? That is a scepter. A scepter was a sign of strength, right? 
When a king held a scepter, it was an extension of the king's power and the king's might. They give Jesus a reed, a flimsy, soft, easily broken piece of material. They're mocking him. They're mocking him. But in the midst of them mocking him, giving him a reed as a scepter, putting on a crown of thorns, bowing, mockingly bowing before them, it says, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, hail, king of the Jews. In the midst of all of that, Jesus did not argue. He did not resist. He took it. Do you know what that tells me? That that's a sign of great strength. That he would take that insult and those humiliations and mockings and never say a word, never resist them. He took it. Why? Because he loved them and he loves you. Let's talk about the crown of thorns. Some people think it was thorns from a date palm. And they say that those were really sharp, really thick. And they actually had, when you got stuck with one of those, it would actually have something in it that made the pain even worse. So imagine this. What is a thorn? What is a thistle? It is a symbol of the curse of sin. Before sin, we didn't have thorns. We didn't have thistles. But now we do. So as they were mocking Jesus and putting on his head this crown of thorns, what they were actually doing was symbolizing what he was doing for us. He was at the moment of them mocking him and putting the crown of thorn on his head. Certainly blood had to be oozing down uh, his face. The pain excruciating. He was eradicating thorns. He was going to the cross to eliminate the curse of sin. Do you see the the picture here? The Romans, I'm sure, had no clue what they were doing by putting a robe on him, by putting a crown of thorns and a, a reed as a scepter and mocking him. They were calling him a king, nonetheless, and he certainly was. But think about this. The king of kings forsook his rightful, glorious crown, I've never worn a crown. I don't think I'll ever wear a crown. Can you imagine the beautiful crown that Jesus deserves to wear? The most powerful, amazing, perfect, righteous, just king that will ever live. His crown, he forsook that and he took upon himself this crown of thorns. Suffering, the shame of all of that for you. Matthew 27, 30, we continue, and they spit upon him. Folks, I don't know if I could hold back at this point. Have you ever been spat upon? It is the greatest insult when someone spits on you on purpose. I tell you what, they spat upon Jesus. They took the reed and they smote him on the head. By this time, Jesus was so mutilated that he would have been hardly recognizable. And you know what? Isaiah predicted this. 
Look at Isaiah 52 and verse 14. It says, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. He was beaten to a pulp and he hasn't even left to go to the cross yet. This is the biggest tragedy that has ever come upon humanity that the one who created all things is now mutilated. I'm sure he was weak and I'm sure he was in excruciating pain, but the worst was yet to come. For in Matthew 27, verse 31, it says, after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. The crucifixion was going to be more torturous than everything that he's endured to this point. And the crucifixion wasn't even the worst part of all of this. Now we'll jump over to John's account as we're trying to go chronologically through this story. In John 19, verse 17, it says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull. This is not a place where there were skulls. This was a place that they called a skull, I believe in reference to the escarpment, the, the hill that the crucifixions took place behind looked like a skull. It looked like a human skull. In the Hebrew, it says here in John 19.7, is called Golgotha. So when you say Golgotha, you're saying the place of a skull. It's also the same word in a different language is Calvary. So when you say Calvary, you're saying the place of the skull, you're saying Golgotha, all the same thing. Now, Jesus is leaving Pilate's Praetorium, Pilate's Hall. He's been beaten, he's been spat upon, he's been hit, he's been scourged. And now he takes this trip on the road. We don't know the exact route, but we know that he took this road Actually, his whole life was a road to the cross. He came for this very thing. He came for this very moment. It's hard to believe that just four or five days earlier, he had been on these same roads, and instead of mocking him and beating him and spitting on him, they were hailing him. They were laying down their clothes on the path in front of him as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The king had arrived. The Messiah had arrived. How quickly the tide turns. How quickly people turn against God and the things of God. We'll start right there tomorrow on our Thursday edition of In Grace and how sad it is for them to be greeting him as the, uh, the Messiah. And then a few days later, they're 
uh, yelling, crucify him. And what he did for us is amazing. I mean, it's it, just to think of the physical agony he went through uh, leading up to this whole thing, uh, being you know put into a pit and then uh, early in the morning tried and then convicted even though he hadn't done anything wrong and then hit and spit upon and, and scourged and flogged and then he had to carry his cross. And there's one so-called discrepancy and we'll, we'll tackle that tomorrow. Definitely want to tune into that. But listen, uh, we are so excited about this brand new series series called The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. It's a three-part video series where we filmed it in Israel. We actually went to the ranch where the red heifers just came from that went to Israel, and we're talking about all the details and, and what's happening right now about rebuilding the temple. To get this three-part video series, just make a gift of any amount to Ingrace, and we're going to thank you by sending you this DVD or the digital download. If your gift is $35 or more, we're going to send you our popular eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, about Bible prophecy. As a thank you for your gift of any amount, Jim Scudder will send you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple when your gift is $35 or more. He will also send you his eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple by calling 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.